I don't pay for tattoos out of my big girl money. Welcome to Tencent Takes, the show where the podcast art may just be better than the podcast itself. One issue at a time. <laughs> my name is Jessica Fraser, and I'm joined by my co-host, the sprightly spinner, Mike Thompson. I don't even know what sound effect to make to that. That's great. <laughs> yeah, just, you know, maybe you with a little green hat. <laughs> spinning around that sure, was you as a baby not? though <laughs> so. <laughs> so listen folks if you're new to our show our main episodes they drop every other week and they provide in-depth looks into interesting moments in comic books and how they tie into pop culture and history but today is one of our dollar bin discoveries mini episodes that we do in between those deep dives Now, we spend a lot of time rooting through dollar bins at local shops looking for interesting stuff just for you folks. And while a lot of the issues we find are fun and weird, there may not be quite enough for us to do a deep dive on at the moment, but we absolutely reserve the right to change our mind later and do a deeper dive on anything that we talk about on one of these minisodes. So each episode will feature both of us talking about one random issue that we came across in dollar bins, what it is, what goes on inside it, and why it's interesting. So Mike, what did you come across in them dollar bins? Yeah, I found Keevan's number one from Aftershock, which came out in November of 2021. It's written by Cullen Bunn and Heath Amodio. And it's illustrated by Sami Kavila. I came across this in the back issues of Brian's comics right before they closed down. So this was kind of a surprising find just because it was something that was so recent. But this is kind of like a supernatural dirty dozen kind of story. It starts us off in the middle of a fight where a woman dressed like a 19th century Chinese pirate confronts what appears to be a serial killer in a present day forest. And we know that because of the car that his victims are in. And then it's revealed there's a supernatural aspect to her enemy. She kills him, and then she dissolves into flames, where it's revealed she's basically a bounty hunter for hell, or the eternal abyss, as the book describes it. And she's basically been given the assignment of she has to track down like escaped souls, and after she hits, I think, 10, she earns her freedom. Oh, wow. Yeah, this is something that we've seen a few times. Like There was a 90s TV show that I really liked called Brimstone, where it was a Mm. very similar concept of like a policeman who'd been in hell and then Lucifer let him loose to go track down other escaped souls. It wasn't amazing, but it was a lot of fun. So it turns out that that this woman is the 19th century Chinese pirate queen Lady Shi, or She, I'm not quite sure how to say it. And then the Bosley to her angel is Joseph Stalin, who is like (laughs) dispatching her to catch souls who've escaped from their damnation. Okay. There's a bit of expository dialogue about who she is and what she's doing before she's introduced to teammates to help her hunt down Jack the Ripper, who's now stalking the streets of present-day Los Angeles. Stalin is like, this guy's too much. You need help on this assignment. And then he introduces her to the rest of her team, who are known as the Heathens. 
There's like the gangsters, Lucky Luciano and Bumpy Johnson. There is Sophia, the golden hand, who is like a Russian con artist out of history. And then Billy, the kid. And they all end up being transported to L.A. And then they start tracking down Jack. And there's a cliffhanger at the end of the first issue where they follow someone who they think is Jack to his hideout. And then they're suddenly ambushed by like dozens of Jacks. You know, it's interesting. There's five issues total to the series. I picked up the whole run of it for, you know, a buck each. I'm really interested to see where the rest of this goes. The historical exposition could have been really boring because I have to explain who all these people are, but it feels pretty natural. Bun is an author that I know, and he does this kind of like dark fantasy stuff really well. If you haven't read The Sixth Gun, I really recommend that series. It's really good, like kind of dark mm. fantasy, weird West stuff. Okay, nice. Yeah, Bun and Amodio do a really nice job of just kind of weaving this history into the story in a way that feels really natural. And I like the general premise. Kavila's art, likewise, is also really solid. It's not exactly the deepest comic, but it's fun and it's interesting. And it feels pretty smart because of that historical aspect to it. Mm. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, so that is what I have picked up and been reading lately. What about you? So I I picked up something called, it's titled St. Smithen's Day. It's by Oni Press, and it's from March 1998, and it is a one-shot. Okay. So it's written by Grant Morrison, illustrated letter, and color paintings by Paul Grist. And edited by Bob Shrek. Okay, so the plot. A depressed and unself-regulated 19-year-old man is reveling in the depression of his daily life and habits, wallowing in his suffering, and looking outwards instead of inwards for the cause of his negative vibes. Mm. He is also counting down the days to an act that he is bragging to his friends who may or may not be figments of his own personal reality mm. and his imagination, which is to kill the prime minister, who at that point was Margaret Thatcher. And he I was going to say, I'm this... not sure how I feel about this. And then I heard his target and I'm like, oh, OK. <laughs> yeah, right. So it's a countdown kind of to the day itself, but it's just kind of him existing and like just being his own kind of neurotic self leading up to this day. So the day itself gets there and he stands in the rain waiting to see the prime minister. And when she does come near, he basically says, I have something for you. He reaches into his coat, pulls out his hand and makes a trigger pulling motion like he, you know, and he's got nothing in his hand. But he's mm -hmm. immediately tackled by guards and right. they break his front teeth and proclaim in his mind that it's worth it to see her reaction. And that's kind of the end of it. That's kind of the end of the comic. And it's just a one shot? It's a one shot. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. And I mean, there's definitely more to kind of his backstory and his vibe, but that's really the, the main kind of leading up points um, without getting too in the weeds. Um, I, I did like the art on it. It was black and white. And a lot of the detail was achieved through these, like, kind of artistically done squiggly lines. So there was, like, mm. rain scenes, and the rain was done in this really interesting way, and kind of the backgrounds. And, you know, of course, like, okay. the difference in shades was done interestingly, because it wasn't 
black and gray. It was really, truly black and white. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I also thought it was interesting to bring the reader through the narrative without knowing whether or not he was going to act on his plans because he very truly was talking about it the whole time. And the buildup definitely progressed to the story. Like, I think he bought a gun at one point. Like, I think he, like, maybe. I can't re- I can't recall if I'm actually remembering that correctly. But, okay. I mean, there there definitely was lead up to where you think, okay, this guy might actually do this. Interesting. Yeah. And the story itself, while that's all interesting and good, um, whatever, it had its problems. And, like, he makes these statements about being bored enough to fall asleep while listening to a discussion about feminism. Which, like, yuck. Thanks for that. I mean... Yeah, that was kind of that was like still the attitude back in the 90s. Yeah. And an, another line that just ugh, ugh. he said, "Well, I wouldn't want them to think I'm queer." And queer was all in caps. And then the next line was, "Then again, maybe I am." And it's like the self-hatred is just like it, ugh. Yeah. Well, you know, that's interesting because Grant Morrison recently came out as genderqueer. Um, oh, interesting. But, interesting. But it also, like, if it's if it's set in Thatcher's England, that means it was in the 80s. Yeah, it was in the 80s. Yeah. So that could also be tying into, like, the problematic views and all that as well. Like, <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm like, sure. I'm, I'm willing to bet that Morrison was writing this character as someone who is not meant to be likable. And and probably for oh. these very reasons that you're listing. Oh, p- potentially. Let me tell you the last part. Because <laughs> he actually oh. has the words, like, he actually, on his forehead, the day of, um, writes the words, neurotic boy outsider on his forehead when he goes to, like, commit his faux atrocity, which feels very much like an incel vibe. Yeah, <laughs> it, feels it very, very much incel. does. I, yeah. <laughs> Incel before incel. Uh, so overall takeaway is I I think I'd love to see more of Gris' art if if absolutely nothing else. The art was really cool. Mm. And nice. I mean, yeah, the story did progress forward, um, but you know, problems as as things happen when yeah. you have things from the eighties. So <laughs> eh. Well, I think that's I think that's it for our show this week for our dollar bin discoveries. I think it is. Okay. Well, folks, it is in fact that time then. Thanks for joining us on this adventure. Join us next week for another riveting full-length episode. No, we don't know what it's about. We're we're recording these way ahead of time. <laughs> but yeah. I'm sure it'll be awesome. So please do join us. And until then, we will see you in the stacks. Thanks for listening to Tencent Takes. Accessibility is important to us, so text transcriptions of each of our published episodes can be found on our website. This episode was hosted by Jessica Frazier and Mike Thompson, written by Mike Thompson and Jessica Frazier, and edited by Jessica Frazier and Mike Thompson. Our intro theme was written and performed by Jared Emerson Johnson of Bay Area Sound. Our credits and transition music is Pursuit of Life by Evan McDonald and was purchased with a standard license from Premium Beat. Our banner graphics were designed by Sarah Frank, who you can find at lookmomdraws.com. 
If you'd like to get in touch with us, ask us questions, or tell us about how we got something wrong, please head over to TencentTakes.com or shoot an email to TencentTakes at gmail.com. You can also find us on Twitter for now. The official podcast account is TencentTakes. Jessica is Jessica Witha at Jessica spelled with a K, and Mike is Van Sau, V A N S A U. If you'd like to support us, be sure to download, rate, and review wherever you listen. Stay safe out there. And support your local comic shop.